Well, hello everyone. Hi, and I want to say a special hello to those of you who are watching at the Allison campus and for those of you who are watching via the inter internet. I'm so happy to be here this evening. And I'd like to just start off my message with a story. There once was a man who had it all. There once was a man who had all the wealth that you could ever imagine, a man who was a warrior who won all the time, a man who could just ask for anything and it would be given to him, a man who was considered strong and handsome and ruddy, and he had it all. But he found himself to be dissatisfied. And what happened was he committed adultery and after he committed adultery, that led to him then committing murder. And then after him committing murder, that led to him having his whole family and household, it says in scripture, just chaotic from that point on. And for those of you who know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about King David. And King David, you know, uh, he was said to be a man after God's own heart. And it took a story from a prophet named Nathan to finally bring him back into recognizing that his heart had gotten off track, that he had wandered far away from God. And if you'd like to turn with me this evening to Psalm 51, this psalm is written by King David, and it's actually entitled the psalm that King David wrote after you know, being talked to or being uh, told the story by the prophet Nathan. And uh, yeah, so if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to that Psalm 51 right now, and we will read from that. The essence of it is a psalm of great penitence, a psalm of remorse, a psalm filled with guilt, a psalm where David is really coming to terms just how far off the track his heart has gotten. You know, you just take a look at the first few verses, you know, have mercy on me, O God. Because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sin. He's feeling such remorse. He's feeling so sorry. His heart had wandered away. How did he get off track? You know, he says, against you and you alone have I sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight. And it just goes on about how penitent and how sorry David is for what he has done. And how that has led now to upsetting his entire household for generations to come. And so I'd like you to just focus in on verse 10 of Psalm 51. And this is for us today. Um, I want us to recognize that here King David is saying, I see where the problem lies. I see where the source of my problem is right now. And it says in verse 10, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. You see, for me, this tells me that King David has recognized the very, very source of the problem. This psalm talks about the importance of the state of our hearts before God. It talks about um, how if our hearts are not right, we can find ourselves off track we can find ourselves, it actually can lead to sin, as we f find with King David, and how important our condition of our heart is. And you know, there's a connection between the condition of our heart and our behavior, and what we think, and what we say. It's so important. 
Our heart condition is important. So today I'd just like to take the next few minutes to maybe like, we'll do a heart health checkup. Are you up for a checkup? We all need to do a checkup. It's really important. And so I want us to ask, as we're taking this sort of walk through this heart health checkup, where am I at with God? This is just a few moments that I'd like us to take some, make some introspective um, thinking right now and some meditating on where am I at with God? What is the state of my heart right now? Because there's all sorts of heart conditions that we can suffer from. We have so many heart conditions, and I've sort of listed three there just to kind of be cutesy. Um, but we've got to diagnose our heart condition or we're not going to know um, where we're at. And this is part of the work that we need to do. So for some of us, we may suffer from an unhappy heart. And by unhappy, I mean just a sense, a spirit of discontentment. An unhappy heart is one that you'll find is, is critical oftentimes and, and nothing is ever right. And the cup is not only just half empty, it's completely gone. And that's an unhappy heart. And you know, there was someone who quoted, uh, the quote is by George Bernard Shaw, and I thought, oh boy, this is a really powerful description of someone with an unhappy heart. Listen to this. A person with an unhappy heart, they are like a feverish, selfish clot of ailments and grievances, complaining that the world will not devote itself to making them happy. Wow, what a description. But maybe you are suffering from a heavy heart. You know, things are heavy, you're carrying burdens. Maybe you're a person who worries. Maybe you're a person who's carried with guilt and shame. Uh, maybe you're grieving losses and your heart is heavy and you just feel like, oh, I just can't, I just can't go through this. And maybe you are quoting Psalm 42, you know, why am I so discouraged? Why am I so sad? A heavy-hearted person is is always carrying an unrelentment, disappointment, and discouragement. But you know you can also maybe be suffering from a hard heart. And I would suggest to you that a heart that is hard is probably the most serious heart condition that we can have. Because it means that we are not now open to hearing from God. We're not now open to hearing from other people speaking into our lives. And our hearts have grown hard. We've gone cold. And I've just uh, found some lyrics to an old Keith Green song. And maybe this can describe you right now. My eyes are dry. My faith is old. My heart is hard. My prayers are cold. And I know how I ought to be alive to you and dead to me. Do these lyrics describe the condition of your heart, of my heart today? These are really important questions. The state of our heart really matters. It can reveal our spiritual health and where we are at with God in our journey of faith. It can be a warning sign that something is wrong and we need to pay attention. There's an amber light going off. Something needs to change within us because if we continue to go along on this road, we're going to end up like King David, just getting right off track and finding ourselves falling into those areas that we never dreamed we'd want it to go. So we need to recognize that we need to make some changes as we think about the conditions of our heart. What does it mean, though, to have a change of heart or a renewed heart? I mean, all of us at times on our journey of faith, if we're honest, and you can raise your hands, all of us at times go through those times of discouragement. We get down. We just think, oh, I'm done. Why am I bothering with this? 
And we can all have those times where we have those crises of faith in our lives. We get weary. We get distracted. You know, some of us just get bored. What is this faith stuff? Does this Bible really mean, does God really love me? And we can find ourselves really discouraged. And that's what happened to King David. And the Bible says that he had a heart after God. But somehow his heart had wandered away. And we can easily fall too. So what do we need to do? We need to try to move into some spiritual health. And I'm going to call it spiritual renewal. And if you're looking for a definition of renewal, um, it means to make something new, to make it fresh. You know, something new has kind of gotten old. It's gotten dry. And we need that sense of renewal. So we need something now to come along to help us to, to make it fresh and new and strong again. Because for some of us, our faith has grown weak. Our hearts have grown weary. So in order for us to experience a renewed heart, I think we need to be looking in the right place. Because for some of us, we love to read and we love to gather self-help books. You know, 10 steps to getting closer to God and 5 steps to reading the Bible better, and, and 14,000 steps to being a better prayer warrior. I mean, we turn to these self-help books, and you know what? That's a great source to sort of, you know, help us along. It's a great support thing. Um, but that's not the source, I believe, of where we're going to really experience renewal in our hearts. I mean, some of us turn to maybe the church, and we say, well, you know, if the church just had these programs, if the church would just, you know, provide this, then I would experience that spiritual renewal. You know, then I'd be closer to God. And I've got to tell you, it's really interesting because as we've begun this vision journey with the Imagineers team, the visioning team, asking that big question, you know, where does God want our church to be in the next five years? Many of us were asked to take that reveal survey. And I thought to myself, oh, this is going to be good. It's going to take 35 minutes to take this survey. Fantastic. I'm going to be able to just diagnose our church and I'm going to be able to tick, 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 judge this, do that, and what's our programs like and what's the preaching like and what do I think is wrong, what do I think is right. Well, surprise, surprise. I clicked on the reveal survey and all of the questions, well, I'm not going to say all because there'll be somebody who said, no, that's not all, but most of the questions were asking questions about where, where I am at on my spiritual walk. How much time do I spend in God's word a day, a week, a month? How much time do I spend in prayer? You know, do I attend church services regularly? Am I part of a small group? Oh, and this one was a good one. Uh, how many people have you had a spiritual conversation with outside of the church in the past week, month, year, decade? These questions were not about our church per se. It was about me doing some introspection and doing a spiritual health check. I really think that that was part of it all. Because the source of our spiritual renewal is not the latest book. It's not the latest church seminar. It's not the latest, you know, program. All of those things support. But we find that our source is in the power of God. It comes from God. And the psalmist knows this as we looked at that verse 10. You know, create in me a clean heart. In other translations, it says, make me a clean heart. Make me a clean heart. You can just picture God, you know. Okay, I'm going to make this one clean. And renew a loyal spirit, because our loyalties get lost. We get off track. But once we turn to God, each one of us personally, 
personally, you and me personally, and recognize that he's the one who's the source of the heart change, we begin to experience also a change of mind. And that's another piece of heart health, a healthy mind, a healthy mind. And you know, um, the attitude that comes out of that is gratitude. I lead a couple of journey groups here in the life of our church, and as the group leader, I love to just push people out of their comfort zones. Any of you who've been in my groups, you know this. And I have people say, don't ever ask me to pray. Don't ever ask me to, don't ever ask me. And I said, you know, there's going to be a time where I'd like to ask all of us now to just say a one-sentence prayer. Thank you, God, for you fill in the blank. And sometimes people go, I've got nothing to be thankful for. And I say, thank him for your hairy toe, your big hairy toe. At least there's something we can all find to thank God for. And this is part of the journey of, of, of having a healthy attitude and a healthy mind. And you're saying, you know what, but Pastor Carolyn, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know the experiences I've had. You don't know the losses I've had. My circumstances right now, it's really hard to be thankful. And I get that. I totally get that. But I'm saying right now that there is one thing that we can all be thankful for as followers of Jesus and of lovers of God. And that is our salvation. You know, the psalmist says, re, you know, restore in me the joy of my salvation. You can read that in that psalm. Restore the joy of my salvation. You know, I think sometimes we forget what it took, the price that was paid for us, so that we could have a relationship with God and be reconciled to him. And I can just challenge all of us, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through, and it all matters, and we all care deeply for one another about our circumstances. But I think the root of our gratitude needs to be found in our salvation that was provided by God through Jesus Christ, coming and dying for our sins and rising again and conquering sin and death. Amen? Amen. We have that to be, and out of that will come flow a heart of gratitude, because then all of a sudden, our focus has changed. All of a sudden, we see things differently. It changes our relationships. Oh my goodness, I've been forgiven. What am I going to, oh, I have to forgive you. Oh my goodness. It changes how I see my church. This is a body, it's a family. We're trying to reach people. Oh my goodness, I have the joy of salvation, but I have neighbors who don't. We're coming into the Easter season soon. Who are we going to put on the window? Who are we going to pray that we can invite to come? Because I have the joy of my salvation. And it's so interesting because the psalmist connects the joy of my salvation with reaching out to tell others the good news of the gospel. You can read it in, I think it's verses 12 and 13 of that psalm. There's a connection. We have so much to be thankful for. It cost him everything. Jesus gave his life for us so that we could become his children. We have gone from spiritual death to life. We've gone from being slaves to being free. We've gone from being orphans to now being part of the family of God. How great the love of the Father that he's given unto us that we can be called children of God. How great is his love for us. He's changed our position. God has changed our positions. We're no longer enemies, but he calls us friends. And I think that that is something to be thankful for. You know, 
There's a connection, again, between having the joy of our salvation and reaching out and sharing the good news, and I think that that is really key. I think that is key. And this renewed sense of what it looks like, of what you and I have been made right with God, this amazing work of the cross of Christ should send us to our knees in thanksgiving and gratitude. And it should send us to our knees engaging in prayer of honest self-examination, recognizing our own sin, not just recognizing it, but then being moved to repent of it, to turn the other way, to turn away from it, to turn our hearts, like King David did in that psalm, back towards God. And you know, it's funny, because in our culture, some people equate repentance with punishment. But no, Scripture says it's God's loving kindness that leads us to repentance. It's because of his kindness, his love for us, that sends us to our knees, his kindness of what he has provided for us through Christ, his loving kindness. And because of what he's done for us through Christ, there's nothing I wouldn't do for him. Oh, what have I just said? I'd like to think that. But out of a heart of gratitude, not obligation. A heart of gratitude and not obligation. So you ask yourself, well, what do you and I need to ask forgiveness for? And what do we need to repent of? Well, we just take a look at those hearts again. You know, if you're suffering right now from that condition of, uh, you know, of, of an unhappy heart, if you've got that, you know, that spirit of criticalness and complaint, and by the way, complaint is not a spiritual gift. <laughs> Nor is cranial downsizing. That's not a spiritual gift. But if we are suffering from an unhappy heart, if we are like those, you know, if we're like those clots that are unhappy, you know, the world isn't making us happy, we need to take that to God and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for having that spirit of complaint and negativity. Forgive me for that. Help me, Lord, to instead turn my heart back towards you. Or maybe if you have that heavy heart, you know, is there, is there guilt in your life? Is there something that's keeping you down? Is there something that's, that, you know, that you need to confess and ask for forgiveness for? Is there grief that you need God to help you to get through so that you can continue to move on? Or that hard heart, that hard heart. You know, I love the verse in Ezekiel. God is speaking through the Old Testament prophet, and I love this. He said, and I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart, and I will give you a tender, responsive heart. And in other translations, it said, I will give you a heart of flesh. You know, do you and I today, are we suffering from stony, stubborn hearts? And we need to repent and we need to say, Lord, please exchange. I want to do an exchange. I want you to change my heart. Make me a new heart. One that's a heart of flesh. That's alive. That's a malleable heart. One that's turned to you. One that's after you, God. So as we're entering this season of Lent, you know, it's 40 days. It starts on Ash Wednesday. And the reason why Ash Wednesday is called Ash Wednesday 
it's pretty appropriate. It's meant to be a somber time to take stock about where our hearts are. It's actually about repenting and asking for forgiveness and preparing for that Easter season. And I think it's really interesting that ashes are an emblem of Lent and they're a picture of our own mortality and our spiritual condition apart from what, you know, our faith in Christ. Wow, that's a powerful symbol. And we need to be in a posture of, of penitence like David in Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, blot out my transgressions. Cleanse me from my sin. So often, you know, I think of Lent, we think of what are we going to give up? Somebody's going to give up chocolate. What are you going to replace that with? Vegetables? I don't know. But, you know, we often think of what we're going to give up. Are we going to give up electronics? Are we going to give up TV? And I just would challenge you, if you're going to give up something for Lent, what are you going to replace it with? What spiritual habit or, or you know, what are you going to replace what you've given up with? And I just have a couple of suggestions of what we think could help us as we journey through, first of all, you know, the, the journey towards Easter and Lent, but also our journey as we're doing that visioning process as a church-wide family. So I think the first thing that we really need to do is we just need to stop. And you know, I just read this great quote from a book by Peter Scazzerzo, and I'm gonna read it to you now. I just think it's a great quote. He says, as theologian Robert Barron argued, at the heart of original sin is the refusal to accept God's rhythm for us. The essence of being in God's image is our ability, like God, to stop. We imitate God by stopping our work and resting. If we can stop for one day a week or for many Sabbaths each day, we touch something deep within us as image bearers of God. Have you ever thought of that? that actually being made in God's image, that God himself stopped, and that we are actually being more like him when we take moments to stop. And there's this uh, practice called the daily office that he describes, and he says, you know, the first thing you gotta do is actually stop. And you know what, I heard the other day on the radio about a study where uh, they were studying uh, kids and youth and there is this part of the brain um, it's called the default mode where they find the center where empathy is actually developed in a person and that that empathy actually that default mode mode is hindered because of all of the busyness and the never stopping and when you think about the technology that our next gens right now are into and that they're always multitasking, they've got the TV on, they've got the, the iPad open, they're, they're on their phones, they're texting, and there's never any time to just stop. And they're finding that this is having interesting results in the development or lack of development of empathy. Imagine being in a world being cared for by a generation that has no empathy. I'm not looking forward to that. And so I think what is countercultural, again, being made in the image of God, that this daily office, if we just practice in the day, it's like, it's like what Brother Lawrence said, you know, practicing God's presence daily, practicing his presence. And so we stop. 
we stop our activity and we pause to take time with God. You know, Scazzaro says that, you know, we can do our devotions in the morning and then we just get on with our day and we forget. We forget that God's even with us. So if we can just stop. And then he says to just center for a moment. And this doesn't have to be for a long, long period of time. This could be a break at noon hour. This could be a break throughout the day. It could be just once in the day to remind you that God is with you and that he is with you and, and he, wants to, he wants you to be attentive to him. And then he talks about silence, quieting every inner and outer voice to attend to God. Boy, that's tricky, to tame all the monkeys, all the monkeys in your head. But just take a moment to, to practice silence. And that is, by the way, a discipline for some of us more than others. <laughs> Never mind. And then he says, just take a piece of scripture and just read and let God speak to you. He suggests a psalm or praying through the Lord's Prayer. And you say, you know what, I don't have time for that. But what's that saying? You're too busy not to pray. Practicing God's presence. And I would just challenge us. Oh, here's another thing. And this thing I read um, in Rick Warren's new edition of The Purpose Driven Life. He's done a second edition, and it's got QR codes in every day. You can scan the codes. You can watch a little mini video from him, or, or you can go on the website, and you can watch like a 25-minute talk. And I'm leading a small group with this, and out of this came the idea of doing just simple breath prayers. What can you say in just one breath throughout the day? You know, he suggests, you know, Lord, I thank you for your grace. One breath. Because of you, Jesus, I'm fully forgiven and free. Thank you. One breath. I mean, we can all come up with just one breath prayers. And I just think that is a great practice for us to get into. But you know, if each one of us as individuals start moving towards that heart health, if we really take serious even just over these next 40 days, and by the way, there are 40 days uh, to go through in this book, may I suggest that you get this book and just start on Ash Wednesday and go through 40 days as you prepare for Easter. The result is going to be amazing within our church family, especially as we are entering into this um, visioneering process, this imagineering process. Because it starts with God as the source and it's going to lead to health in me and in you. If we take this seriously, this is a serious matter. Because everybody's saying, is our church healthy? Is there something wrong with our church? And if you have, you know, if you have identified things that are wrong with the church, then I want to say to you, guess what? We're the church. The church is made up of you and me as individuals. And I really have a, a really exciting view of what could be for our church if we all took this seriously. And I'm just going to quote, and this is at the bottom of your outline. This is from one of the books, um, from one of the courses that I have taken in the past year on renewing establishing congregations. And this quote is from a theologian named Richard Lovelace. And he says, each member of the congregation needs to experience a fresh and personal encounter with a living God, which is at its heart includes a deep conviction and overflowing gratitude for what he has done through Jesus Christ in order to secure our personal salvation. It starts with God. It begins with him, with us crying out to him with gratitude. 
and turning away and repenting and asking for forgiveness for our heart conditions and asking him in earnest to change our heart and create in me a new heart, O oh God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. And at this time, we're going to move into our time where we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And so I'm just going to release you now to Pastor Dave, who's going to lead you now in the next part of our service. <laughs>